Hey, Kansas City. Welcome to episode 39 of the Made in KC podcast. We are now in day 43 of the stay-at-home order. I'm Tyler Enders. I'm Keith Bradley. And I'm Thomas McIntyre. Today, we're going to discuss more mixed signals. Mixed signals in the economy, in the market, and in public sentiment. We decided we do not have time to discuss the mixed signals coming from government. Good afternoon, guys. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. How are you? Pretty good. You caught me off guard with that mixed signals coming from the government. That was right in front of my face. It brought a smile to my face. Thank you for mm-hmm. that, Tyler. <laughs> well, I mean, I realized as I was typing out that intro, like, we didn't even hit the big one. And that's just too big of a topic <laughs> for us to hit. It sure is. It sure is right now. Something that we can more appropriately handle is what's going on with our local pools around Kansas City. Word is coming down that they're closing left and right for the summer, creating pandemonium in uh, in our household as well as many across the city, yeah. I'm sure. The uh, family text group is freaking out. My family spends a lot of time at the pool with all the kids and it's turning out that they're not going to be open. So my sisters, I uh, think of all within 10 minutes of hearing the news, ordered pools online as they are expecting them to be sold out very soon. Oh, so. man. <laughs> Trampolines all over again. Tr- trampolines and pools. But as many people know, the pools are great just because they're fun. They're relaxing. They cool you off. But for parents, oftentimes they serve a dual purpose. One, they're extremely entertaining for kids, provide lots of exercise. And then two, the ensuing tiredness that follows after a trip to the pool is just creates a peaceful household on a summer afternoon. You take those two things away and it's a recipe for disaster. I think we were talking recently about a really good business to be in right now would be backyard pools, like digging pools, building custom pools, because everyone's going to want a pool this summer. Yeah, I think it's too late though. There's a I mean, I guess I don't know who's doing it, but there's a house down the street for me that's been having a pool built for what seems like two years now. It seems like a long process. <laughs> I uh, I recently inherited a koi pond from my neighbor, and I'm about to start digging a hole for that thing and throw Tucker and Maggie in there this summer. So nice. pool, pool's, pool, pool's open and mission. As one of those, uh, back to our topic of the day, mixed signals, right? Having a pool usually signifies that you're a household with some, with some means. It's probably pretty expensive to do that. Probably not good to look into financing for a pool during this time, but man, it sure would be nice. So on that note, let's get started. Doom and gloom. So some news coming out of the economy today, and for the last couple of days actually, shows the current situation we're facing. So quarter two, which has well underway, is predicted to show a 35 to 40 percent contraction in the American economy. Not surprising since no one's really growing right now outside of the trampoline and pool industry, and everything's still still closed and slowly, slowly opening back up. As we've talked about already, half of Americans have, have lost a job or seen a reduction in their pay. And left and right, companies are starting to declare bankruptcy. Um, household names like J. Crew and Gold Gym have most recently declared, and there are lots that are surely to follow suit. Currently, right now, other companies such as Hertz and even Marcus are at a high risk for declaring bankruptcy. Yeah, and despite that being the climate that we're in and the headlines that are being made, we uh, shockingly, after a a sharp fall. Stocks are back up. S&P is only down 14% from the peak, and the Dow Jones is only down 18%. And so you look at that, and it begs a question, is is it just good news that people are looking long-term and the stock market is not taking a huge hit during this, and we are being patient as investors? Or is the stock market not really a good indicator of the economy? So if you look at the stock market, 
So the wealthiest 10% of Americans own 84% of the stock market. Quick math tells you that the bottom 90% only own 16% of the stock market. And so there's definitely a massive discrepancy in the population that is controlling the stock market and therefore causing it to go up or down. It is not a direct reflection of what is happening to the economy and the workforce as a whole. So it is good to keep the stock market and the economy as separate entities. And yes, they are related, but no, they are not one and the same and completely tied together. Another thing to look at, and this is, I just added these to our notes and I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on them from a timing standpoint. So the age of the coronavirus has largely just been in effect for 2020. So four months here. If you look at other significant stock market crashes and what their timelines looked like. So the Great Depression, it was a crash over the course of four years. And in 2008, the crash took place over a course of 18 months. My personal opinion is that it's a little bit quick to use the stock market as a leading indicator of how this is going to affect our economy and how it is currently affecting our economy. And that I think in time, if some of the numbers are read above in terms of bankruptcies, unemployment, furloughs, things like that, we will over time see a downward trend from where we are now. Yeah, we'll have to dive into that in a little bit. I don't have a good sense for it, but I agree we're not going to see the hoped-for V-shaped recovery and that as we get further and further into this, all indications point towards the true 18 months for vaccines to really be rolled out as the earliest that that would happen. So it looks like this is going to be a slow rebuilding. And, And some more of our information that we're about to talk about will support that thesis. One of the reasons that the stock market isn't a good indicator of the economy as a whole, as you said, the stock market's held by a certain class of people, but the stock market has only been rewarding its shareholders recently. And so when you talk about a business as a whole, you think about all the stakeholders from the employees to the customers, to the community, to the owners, in theory, a company needs to balance all these different things. As we've talked about before in this podcast, In the 70s, 80s, it became very in vogue to really just focus on the shareholders. And unfortunately, we've seen that in the past month with some really interesting moves by a couple big companies, which we'll highlight right now. So Caterpillar, early in April, suspended operations at two plants at a foundry, but announced $500 million being distributed to shareholders. Levi Strauss, also in April, announced that they would stop paying 4,000 workers, either placing them on furlough or laying them off, but on the same day announced $32 million to shareholders. And then last, as a third example, Stanley Black & Decker in early April announced layoffs as well, but then two weeks later issued dividends to shareholders of over $100 million. So you see hundreds of millions of dollars being distributed to shareholders by the same companies that are furloughing or laying off their employees. Those two just do not at all seem to square with each other. Yeah, and to further iterate that point, Tyler, since 2009, over 90% of uh, profits from the S&P 500 have gone towards stock buybacks or dividends. So that's clearly rewarding the shareholders, meaning a lot of these companies aren't investing in new technologies or new growth opportunities. That's just a staggering number. I think about how much money we put into reinvesting in our small little company. And then I like to think about the power that these big companies have to invest in new technologies, new concepts, new markets. And to think that 90% of all of their profits are just going back to their shareholders, those are what I learned of in business school as cash cows and not the type of company that's supposed to be investing and innovating. And I I think that that's a a scary forecast for the future. But anyway, I digress. (laughs) So we're talking about all this because we are gearing up to open, and that's because we're supposed to open up. The order ends on 
a couple different dates in May, depending upon where you're looking. But the orders are ending, the stay-at-home orders. And of course, as a, a business, to some degree, it's our choice as to whether we open. But some of our leases dictate that we open if our center is open. And then in terms of our funding, we have a lot of bills that don't stop even if we're closed. And so we've had to try to hustle and pull money together to pay all those bills. And then you have the PPE through the government supporting people's payroll and rent, but that expires. And the intent of it expiring is to get people back open and get people back to work. So we have all this pressure to open right now. And that's why we want to look at the economic case and then look at also the health case for opening back up. Yeah. So the mixed signal coming on that front is while that is certainly the case for us and thousands of small businesses across the country, um, the latest information out there says that Americans are, are really conflicted about reopening and wanting to reopen. And so a recent poll conducted by the Washington Post and University of Maryland is showing some interesting data surrounding this. So right now, about 56% of Americans uh, feel comfortable making trips to grocery stores. Uh, however, 78% would feel very uncomfortable eating. Uh, I added the berry, sorry. 78% would feel uncomfortable eating at a sit-down restaurant. I mean, either you're either comfortable or you're very uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, but 67% say they would be uncomfortable shopping at a retail clothing store. And so here, just in that short survey, we see that while maybe many Americans are used to going out to the grocery store because they have to, and so they've kind of ripped that Band-Aid off, so to speak, these other places, these other businesses that have been kind of unknowns for us for the last 30, 40 days, they're showing to be increasingly uncomfortable in stepping into this quote-unquote new normal we're about to enter into. So that just puts a lot of businesses in a really tough spot. While we're encouraged to reopen, our customers, for lack of a better word, are, are saying that they're not ready to go out and not ready for us to be open. And something that I found interesting in that poll also was that the responses were similar in states with looser restrictions and states with stricter rules. And so while there are very, very strong correlative properties to the responses in terms of political affiliation, there weren't huge differences in the states that have loosened restrictions and states that haven't. In general, people just feel uncomfortable right now. And I think that's for good reason. We decided not to dive into the actual specifics of the data today, but as many of you have probably heard, there are multiple new projections that double the deaths and double the number of new cases that we'll see in the U.S. in the coming months. Some came from universities, some came from the federal government, but all of these cases, you know, well, some people are trying to figure out if all the assumptions were baked in or what, what really went into these projections. All of these projections forecast a much scarier next couple of months than what we had been discussing for the past few months. I think one thing to add here, um, and this might be out of, out of place, but you mentioned the PPP money, Tyler, and I, I hate to keep going back to it, but there's a timeline on the use of those funds at this point in time, and that's an eight week from when it was funded. And so by us, by not being open at this point, and we've had those funds, we obviously can just pass it through to our employees if they aren't working, uh, but then they have the unemployment issue. Uh, but furthermore, as a company, for us to benefit and I think that's a big part of the point of the PPP is that we are able to pay payroll to employees that are working for the company and then moving the company forward by creating income and generating business and, and moving forward. And so if we're not able to open or don't have customers that want to shop during that eight-week period in which we're allowed to pay our employees, we simply were a vehicle that funds pass through and as a company, as an entity, didn't have a benefit from those employees working for us. And so as we look at who's really getting hurt, which in my mind is the frontline workers or it's 
people who are essential workers or people who um, either have to go work in situations where their pay hasn't increased, where they might have peers who are making more money on unemployment. The calls to reopen, I don't think, are coming from those people. I think the calls to reopen are coming from the people who benefit from these dividends and these share buybacks. Now, I, of course, there are people from all walks of life who are calling for the economy to reopen, but it does put things into perspective when you see that the stock market had its best month in, what you say, Keith, 33 years? Uh, best April, yeah. April was the best month in the stock market since 1987. And so clearly, yeah. you know, one might say, well, that's because investors overreacted to the risk. And so there's this huge dip and we need to rebound to what we see as more reasonable. But based upon the uncertainty that we had in the beginning, I can understand why investors might have overreacted. But if you take away that portion, which is a big portion, nothing has changed about the virus. As we've gained more certainty, as we just talked about today, we've seen that the risk is probably higher. That we're gonna, We were talking yesterday about 50,000 new cases in the U.S. by uh, Memorial Day. And now we're talking about hundreds of thousands of new cases per day by August 1st and thousands more deaths than we had thought. And so it really makes you wonder if Congress is going to reevaluate the PPP if customers are going to come as we open, as we've talked about many, many times, we think that we can reopen in a safe way, which is the only reason we would open. But if 70% of people plus aren't interested in coming to stores, then unfortunately, that's not going to be a tenable solution. So even if we open in a safe way, if customers don't come, that PPP money is all for naught because we aren't going to be able to sustain our business and it's going to lead to more closures and more bankruptcies. And coming off a fairly strong market, Things were highly competitive, which is great. But when things are that competitive, oftentimes companies are operating on pretty thin margins and doing so and earning their money only at a pretty high capacity of 89, 90, close to 100% of, of customers. And that's what they build their budget on. They're striving to get more customers. Uh, and that's what projections are built on. So if now we're talking about getting back to things at a rate of 30 to 40 to even 50%. Companies just aren't built that way right now. Whether they should be or not is another another discussion. But companies aren't built to break even or cash flow at a fifty percent customer rate, and then just everything else on top of that's gravy, unfortunately. And so, I'm very concerned about companies getting back open now and what that looks like for those companies three months from now, ourselves included. If if the customer base that we work so hard to get isn't there to begin with. Yep. We have been very supportive of Kansas City, Missouri's 10-10-10 rule. And that's because it kind of works for our businesses. When you walk into a retail shop, you don't need to have it at full capacity for it to cash flow and be successful. But we have had other business owners reach out to us and say, hey, do you guys like the 10-10-10 rule? Because I don't. And I need to operate at more than 10% capacity for my business to cash flow. And so we've kind of had a little bit of a myopic view in that for us it works. And we figured out, you know, like a lot of restaurants can operate at 10% because they're doing carryout, they're doing delivery. But there are some businesses that really will not be able to operate under that construct. But we see people out and about everywhere. It's true in Kansas City. It's true on the, the beaches that have opened up coast to coast right now that there is, um, despite some of the, the survey polls, there is a desire for people to get out of their homes and return to a new normal. And so how do we how do we mesh those two realities together, what we see and how we protect those individuals and protect the economy at the same time? 
Great question. I think that that goes back to our conversation yesterday about the hammer approach or the scalpel approach. And so when we read one of these surveys, they broke it down between dine-in restaurants. Of course, no one wants to go to a dine-in restaurant right now. It's not surprising that 80%, four out of five Americans said, no, I'm not interested. Grocery stores and then retail clothing stores. You know, we didn't see them drop in salons or dance studios or other things that might open up bowling alleys, et cetera. So I think that that's that's a really, really, really good point in that as we've talked about as a company, we are going to earn people's trust. And if they are the type of person who wants to be out and about and they decide to walk into their store of their own volition because we are not going to be shouting from the rooftops, come in and see us. We're going to say, if you want to come in, we're here to serve you. If people come in, we're going to do everything we can to earn their trust so they realize, wow, I felt safer in there than any other shop I've been into in the past couple of weeks. And so hopefully we do see that there's this fatigue, which we talked about yesterday, where people do want to be out and about. And it's going to be really, I guess, now on businesses individually to earn customers' business. And just like the the stock market doing well right now doesn't mean that people are employed and getting paid. People being out and about doesn't mean that businesses are thriving. And so, yes, there's going to be this pent up. I want to go walk around the plaza. Yes, I want to go to the parks. Yes, I want to go to the beaches. But I don't think that's going to correlate directly to people going and saying, yes, I want to buy a car. Yes, I want to buy a TV. Yes, I want to buy washing machines. I think it's going to be items like cups of coffee, which is great. I think it's going to be getting a drink on a patio. But I'm nervous by the small chip it's going to take out of buying and the GDP that we need to be hitting to get back through and to be of people just getting out and about not going to be the solution to our problem. And as we talked about yesterday, as you're tying in right now, if businesses aren't spending on those big ticket items, that also doesn't help our economy. And as you see Caterpillar and these other businesses issuing these massive uh, dividends and paying it back to shareholders, yeah, hopefully that's returning value to shareholders and so that that way shareholders can help weather the storm because they have more money in their pocket as the stocks have declined. However, that's a ridiculous standpoint when the majority of the stock market is owned by the top 10%. And if we really want to invest that money into our economy, it should be the caterpillars of the world who are investing in new technology, new production, continuing to build. If they really can't come up with something else, then yes, you're supposed to return that to your shareholders. But I do fear that we aren't going to see businesses investing as much as we would like, which is really necessary for the rebuilding phase. And furthermore, the out and about phase that I think we will see. I think things will feel and seem busy as soon as we're able to get out there. Uh, but again, if the buying habits don't tie to the activity, then it's going to be really all for naught because the potential of the resurgence of the virus happening as we get out and about is very real. And if no material spending is happening during that time, it's it's just a double a double whammy in my opinion. And so Again, I'm not trying to be overly negative here and doomsday like <laughs> like we started, but it just keeps reinforcing the fact that uh, a very specific surgical approach is 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 needed. And I'm I'm nervous for this uh, the hammer to swing back down again as we get open. Well, that's the thing with like the the hammer and surgical approach analogies. Like it, oftentimes when you have a hammer, it really doesn't matter who's swinging the hammer; they're going to get the job done, whether they're hitting a nail or knocking something down. But with a scalpel and doing surgery, it very much matters who's holding the who's holding that scalpel, because that's a that's a life and death situation. I feel like the situation here, not to oversimplify things, but we really just need a coordinated approach on either a couple things: one, getting enough 
PPP and other measures in place out there to make more people feel comfortable. Two, obviously the vaccine. And three, timing that with a further a further stimulus package, because if the timing doesn't line up, as we've seen with kind of phase one and two, it really doesn't help all that much and creates more problems than was intended to. I wish we can get those two things on the same page. It just seems extremely, uh, extremely challenging with a country of our size and scope, but it really makes a lot of sense. That's exactly what we're trying to do in reopening. We're trying to get our measures in place, you know, our, our procedures, our safety equipment needs for our employees, time that at the same time that we are ready to open and trying to utilize these funds. It's a much micro, micro scale, but on a bigger scale, that's what ha- needs to happen across the country and not state by state, but all at once. Yeah, and unfortunately, what felt like is a very unified country and a very unified problem when this all started as time goes on to me, is becoming to feel more and more divisive and more and more political uh, as we're all trying to put solutions together. And those solutions are going to dictate whether a certain party succeeded or failed in this process. And so getting on the same page is everything at this point in time. And it's it's proving more and more challenging. You brought it up, so I'm mentioning it, but <laughs> it's not my fault. So two things. One, who was the you, who was the you, me or Thomas? Thomas. So two, two I, said, I said the word political. Yeah. <laughs> One, which I found fascinating, is that approval for governors is in the high 70s. And that wasn't Republican governors, Democratic governors. This was just governors. And in general, people are liking the localized approach. Now, it doesn't show why. I mean, is it because they're filling this vacuum and that's why? Or is it because they're actually doing a really good job, et cetera? Nationally, uh, you know, White House approval ratings are below 50% as they have been. So that's no surprise. But the, the gap there is really interesting. And then secondly, as we were looking through all this information about reopening, something that was just absolutely fascinating is that Republicans are in favor of shops reopening two to one or three to one. And so some things don't surprise you, uh, like a gun store. So I won't even go there. But if you're talking about a barbershop, over three to one, Republicans are in favor of opening up barbershops. Retail shops, it's not quite three to one. Um, Dine-in restaurants, three to one. Republicans over Democrats want to see those open back up with 41% of Republicans saying that they should be open back up. And it follows for nail salons, gyms. Those are actually four to one, nail salons and gyms, that 40% plus of Republicans think they should be open and 10% of Democrats think they should. I think that this goes, this goes back to how we consume our news and who we look to in terms of where we put our trust. And so Anthony Fauci rates really high on most everyone's trust ratings in the high 70s or mid 70s maybe. But it is unfortunate that we see such a separation, such a division in our strategy because it lends itself to that local approach, which isn't necessarily bad, but it's creating deeper rifts, I think. And so it's going to be a lot harder for us to all get back on the same page when there's going to be so much finger pointing um, because no one wants, I mean, there's no winning here. You know, it's either some deaths or greater deaths. And so there's going to be a lot of finger pointing and the emotions are going to be super high. So it's just very unfortunate that this is the political climate in which we're functioning. It's giving our earlier episode called The Rise of Local a whole different meaning if you talk about it that way. Yeah. You know, we were talking about local local shopping, local supply chains, but, you know, the importance of local government obviously can never be overstated. But then you tie that in with how that can often conflict, right, even our own metro. If you have one one local government doing something very different than a local government that's a couple miles away, that's going to create more problems for the same population of people, sadly. 
All right. Well, let's leave it there for today, but I want to pick this back up on Thursday. Tomorrow, we're going to have my girlfriend, Kim, who's a psychologist on. She's going to be talking about her work with clients and what she's been discussing and how to process this very strange time for everyone. She's been dealing with all sorts of different um, situations, and they're very similar to the things that we experience. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. And then I also promise to all of our listeners that we will have some rosier, more optimistic conversations in the coming days. Uh, anything else you guys want to add? Go buy a pool. Well, <laughs> we'll leave it there then. Oh, do you have something? I was going to say shut up local, but yeah, go buy that pool. <laughs> nice. Well, we'll leave it there. As always, if you have any thoughts for us, please email them to us at hello at madeinkc.co or find us on Twitter at madeinkc underscore. Thanks, guys. Thank you. See ya.